G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. There is an item in the news this week that should make us all very, very concerned. Uh, It's a major issue that's sometimes ignored. It's the issue of domestic violence within Christian churches. Uh, It's been part of an ABC News and 7.30 investigation into domestic violence and religion. Now, the research reportedly shows that in churches, the men most likely to abuse their wives are, and this could be arguable, but but evangelical Christians who attend church sporadically. A little emphasis there on sporadically with a contrast to men who may be regular committed churchgoers. Well, church leaders in Australia say they abhor abuse of any kind. But there are those who are quick to criticise the church, saying that they are failing to sufficiently address domestic violence. In fact, they say the church both enables it and conceals it. Well, I've invited Vision's chaplain, Pastor Rob Mann, to join me to talk about this issue this morning. He has 30 years as a pastor. He's seen his fair share of domestic violence cases in church. And I want to make a special welcome to you, Rob Mann. Thank you, Now It's great to be here. It is a difficult subject. It is, and I must say, uh, there's this article, and uh, you've read the article, uh, mm. written by Julia Baird and Hayley Gleeson, a couple of well-known ABC journos. Uh, they've done some research, and sure. they've uh, brought about this uh, understanding about domestic violence and religion. I mean, they're saying religion. Mm. We're going to talk about that in context of the Christian church, and we might be able to talk about it broadly about all Christian churches, but they do single out evangelical churches. And I'm wondering what your thoughts might be, a bit of a reflection on domestic violence in church and perhaps where that sits in relation to even domestic violence in the broader community. What are your thoughts? I don't have any uh, real argument with the article, Neil, from my observation. I, I think you know one of the things we should start with is maybe just um, convert the, ch- the the term domestic violence to domestic abuse because it sometimes comes out as physical violence but there's an awful lot of abuse that takes place that does not manifest itself necessarily in physical violence which can be just as damaging but it's also um, by gender. There are men abused by women and women abused by men um, but the violence issue is by a massive majority men abusing wives, wives. and it does take place. A number of years ago, I was involved in the in the production of a CD-ROM that, uh, with Queensland Churches Together, which is called Not In My Church. And the, the fact is that that work we did on that found that there's just as much domestic violence within church circles as there is outside. Uh, let's talk about uh, this sort of thing, domestic violence, uh, abuse, uh, because as you say, it's broader than just uh, someone uh, beating up. And their spouse. Yes. And uh, not to uh, minimise the idea that 
mostly the perpetrators of this are men, mm. uh, but sometimes it goes the other way. Uh, but those sorts of physical effects, you know, the black eye, the bruises, uh, those sorts of things, they are clearly seen. But as you say, there are other issues of abuse, and uh, we talk about psychological abuse, sure. and, you know, withholding finances. And uh, emotional abuse. It's like a slavery for some people who Absolutely. are in these things. Yeah. And uh, one of the criticisms, and let's draw this out early because we won't be able to cover the whole thing today, Uh, The idea that when you talk about control, and control can be also one of those things that could be an abusive behavior, the idea that some Christians uh, will use the Bible to justify control. I know you've got a few emotional even thoughts on that. Yeah, look, you know, I I believe that that the, the outworking of violence is rooted in the whole issue of control. And it comes back to this misuse of the scriptures, talking about wives obeying their husbands. Now, if you read the scripture, nowhere, nowhere, nowhere in all the scripture does it say wives obey your husbands. It says children obey your parents, but it never, ever, ever says wives obey your husbands. It says wives submit to you, to your husbands. Now, that's the problem is that when they translated the scripture, the word submit has a Latin basis. Right, the the mito missus, the mit part comes from mito missus. I send or I put, and the prefix sub means under. So it talks about submit yourself, put yourself or send yourself under somebody else. Uh, There's a Greek word which is different. The Greek word that they've translated as submit is the word hypotasia, and that word has two derivations: one military and one household serving. According according to some research I've done, particularly a guy called Fritz Reinecker in in the United States, a Christian research, the military. The military derivation comes from the idea that that I will stand with you, back to back with you, and I will cover your back. I will help to defend you in times of attack. You can count on me to be a co-defender with you. The household serving derivation comes from the idea that I'm here to make sure you've got what you need to get where you want to go. The you know the the, um, the misuse of that scripture comes out of out of um, Ephesians five twenty two, which says, "Wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord," but that's a specific application to a general principle in verse 21 that says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what it's saying, and, and I define submission as a voluntary choice of alignment. I willingly take my place alongside of you so that in times of attack, when we're facing opposition, when the thing's happening, you can count on me to stand with you and help defend you. And, and the other side is I willingly take my place alongside of you to make sure that you've got what you need to try to make sure you've got what you need to get where you want to go. You know, and there's a whole aspect that husbands are required to submit themselves to their wives as well. Yes, and when I reflect on Ephesians chapter 5 and encouraging listeners to go to that scripture and and look at it and look at the context, what it says about women, what it says about men, uh, sometimes we will have a reflection on what the scripture is saying because it's very easy to take a verse and to use that, sometimes people call it a proof text, uh, and to take that in isolation and oftentimes getting that out of its context. Yep. Uh, but in the context of what we're talking about, as you rightly say, uh, wives and husbands submit to one another. Now, that sort of equality is an important element of all marriages, isn't yeah. it? Look, my wife is much smarter than me in a whole lot of areas and much better. What kind of fool would I be not to submit her, to su- submit myself to her wisdom in the areas where she's wiser and smarter than I am than... than, than if I didn't submit to her wisdom, I'd be just stupid. The other thing is, you know, it comes back to uh, in 
you've got to understand that the scripture is written in a male, a patriarchal, male-dominated society, male-led society. Mm, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to decision making, you know, in a process, you know, if you follow this idea that I'm talking about of of this voluntary choice of alignment, when a decision has to be made, both sides of the whole thing can. Contribute passionately and however strongly to the decision-making process. But the fact is if an agreement can't be reached and a decision has to be made, God, and whether you like it or not, our society holds the man of the house responsible for the, for the outcome of what happens in that home. And if he's held responsible, then why should he not you know, be the person who makes the final decision? Now, you know, I know that you know, that may sound to people that, that I'm, I'm male dominant. I'm not. My wife makes a lot of decisions in our family. We come to agreements on things. Where, where a decision has to be made, you can't reach agreement. Someone has to make a decision. Now, let's come to the issue where, you know, and in fact, this is a cultural thing and traditional things, even back to the wedding vows. Uh, people have a reaction against that whole uh, love and obey. And in fact, those, those are very rarely, I think, used in wedding vows these days. Uh, but when you've got this perception that, uh, wives obey their husbands, even though uh, it can be easily dispelled, as you've done today and as we've had in this discussion, easily dispelled that idea. That isn't what the teaching of the church is. No. But because it's got this tradition in the wedding vows, because those things are said in church, because uh, even I imagine uh, that ministers have said, you know, well, these are the traditional vows you should say them, that there is this idea of control. And when you've got this yep. idea of control, then you've got the possibility for the abuse of power that Absolutely. one feels one might have. Absolutely. Just incidentally, I refuse to use a set of wedding vows that, that talks about obey. I refuse. I just won't do it. But just in this passage of in, in Ephesians, right, it's, it's got one verse that says, why submit to you. And then it's got a whole lot of verses about what the husband's supposed to do. And and in that, it talks about how Christ gave himself for the church and laid down his life and died for the church. There's a whole lot of controlling and a lot enough, not enough dying being done, Neil. You know, men need to grab hold of this and, and begin to understand that it's – and look, a lot of it comes from damage that's been done to men as well. You know, they've seen an example of abuse. Like they often say abusers were abused and stuff like that. You know, we've got to somehow find a strategy – to reverse that historical trend towards that kind of thinking. Let's come to another element that I picked up out of this article that we're talking about, the idea of a sporadic church-going man. Uh, usually to me, uh, when I think of that, I'm thinking of someone who is going along because uh, looks all right and uh, I better make an appearance. Uh, I'm not really committed here. I don't really understand what the pastor says. I'm sort of here, not really committed, not really with an effort to be a disciple, a follower of Christ. Uh, but hey, there's a few things in here that give me a few rights which I might be able to uh, to use to my uh, advantage. Uh, your idea on the sporadic nature of church going as opposed to those who are committed, who really have probably a better idea of what the church teaches about these issues of control and uh, marriage and violence and those things. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that there are, there are many men in our society who don't want to be accountable to anybody. You know, they don't want the church, you know, applying accountability measures to their lives. And, and by attending sporadically, they get inoculated with just enough of the word to be able to twist it around and make them dangerous. And, you know, they become immune to the true work of the truth, which will change their lives 
and make them accountable. It's an accountability issue as much as anything. I mean, I've, I've spoken to guys, you know, what are you doing with your wife? You know, don't you come into my home and tell me what to do and what, can't, what I can't do, you know. And that's like that's a terrible defense mechanism. But there's a lot of that kind of thing, you know, in that, that, that thinking's there. You know, isn't it a wonderful benefit to have a pastor who, in fact, has or endeavors to exercise a right to speak into a marriage that endeavors to bring some level of uh, maneuvering, correction, because you can see some issues here that might well uh, blow up in times to come. I mean, it is a real benefit to have a pastor who'll come in. And you need to have a trust in your pastor that he will understand these scriptures rightly, that the wife and husband submit to one another. Sure. I, th- I think part of the issue is that some pastors possess or exercise a great deal of skill in some of those situations and they blunder in and do, you know, and say things that were never helpful in the first place. I think, you know, we could, we could train and prepare our, our pastors and ministers better in those kind of roles to work in those sort of situations. I think it's terrible that some of the advice and, and instructions that women are being given to go back to the abusive husbands and their role is to submit and obey and forgive. Look, you know, the scripture never says to any of us to walk back into those kind of things. And I've counseled a number of women, get out of there. Don't go back. Because every time you go back, you rescue him from from the outcome of his actions and you start the whole – see, there's a cycle of abuse. You know, there's abuse and all that kind of – it's a well-known cycle. And you just start the cycle again. So I'd encourage women to get out of there and stay out of there till you see a real change. Of course, the criticism is that there are pastors, uh, even ones talked about in the article, who will be saying to wives, when you're in an abusive situation, stay in there. Uh, criticism of churches. Uh, I think there seems to be, uh, from my perception of what ought to happen, is that if there is a violent situation in the home, a wife uh, needs to separate herself from that, not to end the marriage, but to be able to look at it from a distance uh, and to be able to make assessments where she is not in danger. Uh, this is the, the issue here. If, uh, if a pastor counsels a wife to stay in a domestic violence situation, he may be putting her safety, even her life at risk, and you can't afford to do that. No, not at all. And, you know, like there are some pastors that I've heard and spoken to and that I would dearly love to take them outside in, in a loving and Christian way apply the Board of Education to the seat of learning. Like it's just dumb and it's wrong yeah. and it's criminal and it should not happen. And look, I know God hates divorce, but if the thing doesn't improve, I can't see any reason. Like if the man doesn't commit to any kind of change and there's no change, I, you know, and look, I'll get shot down by this for this in whatever quarters, and I really don't care, um, then get out of there and stay out of there and, and seek a divorce. You know, it's grounds for divorce, that kind of abuse. They talk about, you know, adultery is a grounds for divorce and then to be able to remarry. I think this ranks equally with adultery, this kind of physical and an ongoing of violence that destroys a woman's nature. It destroys her being. It destroys her sense of worth. It destroys her sense of belonging. It cuts off her connections to her world and it gives her a very poor perception of her God. Let's come to an issue of anger here for a moment because a lot of people in our society and some people will make the assessment people are getting angrier all the time just look at the incidents of road rage certainly uh, anger is one of those issues that has been time and again dealt with by churches if you want to get your anger under control 
submitting to a pastor uh, to help you have that accountability is actually a very positive thing. When you want to get these things under control, you do feel a drawing towards the local church. Yeah. Uh, you do want to have uh, some level of accountability. If you're not finding that accountability then and the anger continues, the domestic violence continues, then uh, you're, you're just on this cycle, aren't you? It'll just it keep going. And it's a well-recognized cycle. Actually, Neil, it's a, good, it's a good guy in Brisbane, a guy called Matt Bolton, who's written a very good program. He's uh, called Circuit Breakers. Now, he's an ex-domestic violence perpetrator. He's a pastor. Um, but has worked this through and produced some very good programs. One of the programs is called Circuit Breakers, in which he works, you know, teaches people how to break that cycle of ang- uh, anger and then the whole thing of, of abuse, you know, and, cause it is a cycle. It just, it's a repeatable, recognizable, uh, measurable cycle that goes around and around. That's right. They uh, talk about a cycle of violence and yep. uh, a build-up phase, and then there's a, a phase where you know there's the buying of flowers and the exactly. I'm so sorry, yeah, the wooing. Well, that's right. That's that sort of stuff. That's sort of the understanding what's happening in the violent situation in your home is an important yep. element. Uh, we haven't got a lot more time to talk, but just let me uh, on one final point. Uh, when we are beating up on the church in some sense here, uh, saying not enough good teaching about. Submission, a wife to a husband, a husband to a wife. Uh, pastors, as you say, some of them need to be uh, counseled uh, heavily uh, to actually uh, get an idea of what the Scripture is saying because yeah. uh, in the article that I've been quoting, uh, they're saying, well, you know, in the church, uh, in fact, uh, it's quite clear that God hates violence and relationships must be driven by selflessness, grace, and love. I mean, this is the violent, the, the, uh, the article does say that, and uh, and quite rightly so. Uh, so when we talk about uh, beating up on the church, what can we say about a positive element of the church where these things can be resolved? Neil, I, th- I think in, ma- in the ch- churches I've I've had some you know workings with, there's now a far greater involvement of men in the actual life of the church. Like from in ma- in years gone by. Men came to church and they went home from church, but never were really that involved and and tied in. Some were, but you know, mostly it was women and wives. But now there's there's a greater attempt to involve men and to actually talk about some of these issues in a man to man setting. And we've just got to do more of it. You know, we've got to recognise there's an issue. I mean, I don't want I don't want to acknowledge that it's there, but I have to because it's real. It's true. It's there, and somehow we have to work away. Of, of resolving, it's look. It's not a new issue. Domestic violence is not a new issue. I mean, you know, guys came back from World War One and World War Two, and they just, you know, women used to say, oh, you know, he's come back changed. Um, they probably suffer from PTSD, but never recognised it. And there was always the wife who'd walk into the door. Now, where it's coming, being brought out in the open much more and being dealt with. And I think we're in a season of change, a season of breakthrough where some real things can happen. The issue is that the church needs to stand up and decide what it believes and what it's going to do and take some positive action and steer men in the right direction and pass them and teach them properly. Good wisdom from you, Pastor Rob Mann. And for those listeners who are not so familiar, Pastor Rob is in fact our chaplain uh, here at Vision. And uh, there are lots of staff uh, here at Vision in all the different elements of the ministry of Vision Media and uh, Pastor Rob takes his time uh, to come through and uh, make sure that people are 
keeping things on the level and uh, he's a listening ear uh, when there is a pastoral issue that needs to be dealt with. And and Rob, uh, really appreciate you today because you've been able to give your pastoral oversight for all of our <laughs> listeners. And uh, and I'm sure that's uh, been enlightening for some listening in and uh, thinking, I'm wondering about this sort of thing too, about sure. domestic violence in church. But thank you so much for thank being for, with us again on 2020. Thank you, it's great to be here. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.